G'day all, welcome back. Episode 52, Money in the Tank. Welcome back, Tankers. Great to have you with us again today. Apologies for missing last week, but uh, I was just so tired out from our half century that we did the week prior. <laughs> uh, but Brad and Arnie uh, held it down very well. Uh, without further ado, my name is Joel Seats, Principal Advisor, Harpel FG. And I'm Arnie, Finance Professional, and you can get us at Money in the Tank on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And leave a like, comment, subscription, because that helps. And, you know, click the little bell. Love it. Love it. And we uh, love hearing from you guys. So hit us up and keep those Q&As coming in. We're, uh, we, we enjoy answering them and, uh, and learning about what you guys want to hear about more and more. Um, so today, in terms of the episode 52, it's going to be a bit of a quick fire, rapid fire session today. So 20 or 25 minutes. I know we say that sometimes and we lie about it and it ends up going for 45 minutes. But uh, <laughs> we, uh, I think we enjoy uh, the conversation and we, uh, we dig in. So listening to the episode from last week with you and Brad, I think... Uh, you mentioned at the start it was going to be a quick one. Ended up going for about fifty-five <laughs> minutes with Brad ta- ta- tacking on at the end, which I really enjoyed. Um, and then, uh, yeah, he even timestamped it as well. And said, oh, "I think we've run for maybe forty minutes today." And I checked when he said that it was like forty-seven. So <laughs> <laughs> that's classic. I like. Yeah, we always aim to keep it short, but there's a lot to get through, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. So, but today, yeah, there's there's no specific topic today, so it'll be some pretty cool uh, general items, I think, because there's been a hit going on in the world uh, in, and in the markets uh, abroad. So uh, look forward to touching on those things today. But without further ado, we will rip into the grail today of ribs. Here he is here. Uh, oh, the blur doesn't work so well. But anyway, trust me <laughs> in this. I've got the, I've got the, the holy grail here. Rightio. So uh, we are at, uh, oh, tick that page off here. So hang on a second. Let me just kick on to the next page where I haven't ticked off. Um. Jeez, I've ticked a few off in, in Renee's favorite ris- ripkinisms. <laughs> um, so I'm actually I'm actually running short. Here we go. Uh, my worry, my worry bead habit started in '73. I took them up to give up cigarettes, and they worked until I got a brain tumor in '87 when I thought I was going to die. But obviously, brain tumor didn't uh, didn't get him in the end. But a worry a worry bead habit. There you go. That's a uh, Ripkinisms. There's no actual quote there today. It's just him telling us about that, which Maybe is uh, it's a little bit superstitious. It's like the old old Ripkin with the worry beads. Okay, yeah, the worry beads. Yeah, you don't usually see many people with worry beads nowadays, do you? Nah, it's not a common thing. I wonder if it was back then or if he was a unique individual. Yeah, I think he's quite unique. Yeah, possibly <laughs> see him rolling around the uh, the exchange with his beads in his hands. Mate, I uh, I had a look to see if I could buy Rifkin's rules online, and the only place you could get it is like secondhand on eBay, and it's expensive. So, <laughs> so I maybe know. I've got maybe I'm sitting on like a, an artifact here. I'm sitting on something vintage. That's a bit of that's a bit of uh, Oz stock market, yeah, yeah, uh, paraphernalia. What what's one of that's our favorite show called again? Antiques Roadshow, mate. You get on Antiques Roadshow, and they'll yeah. they'll value the Rifkin's rules and. Uh, They'll see what's all these ticks and marks in here. So I'll just, you know, just these quotes for our podcast and mark them off as we go. Eventually <laughs> we'll run out. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of today, so before we throw to Arnie with the, with the the news items and agendas, I guess just as an overview in terms of the market the past few weeks, it's um it's had a quite a good run in terms of the exchanges. And I guess we'll talk generally about, uh, you know, the US and Australia because US sort of, you know, uh, tends to... Um, catch a cold, uh, sneezes and everyone else catches a cold, but Australia in particular. So we sort of tend to come off there and um, we've seen them have a, a decent run. Um, there's been some some information come out of late and Arnie may touch on some of the stuff in his news items, but just with the um, inflation data, maybe looking a little bit more promising or op- optimistic from, from their end. 
Um, in terms of the, um, the the so the interest rates um, not maybe getting as high as they first thought, or inflation potentially starting to level out, which then um, factors in, I guess, to the market as a whole to say, okay, well, the market then takes a view to say, was the market trending or directing in a way where they thought there was more hawkishness to come and more severe hikes to come, uh, and then it's sort of reacted quite quickly to say, okay, well, maybe. Have we overshot the runway here um, in, in in catering or thinking the market's going to be worse than it potentially could get to, which is then we've seen a bit of a, a small rebound the last few weeks. So it's been quite uh, an interesting time. And then that sort of led the Australian market to follow with some uh, some quite rapid market movements, especially last week in terms of the uptick, um, which was probably well overdue. I think it had had a run down, but There'll be more to play out. Obviously, it's a week by week proposition at the moment uh, in terms of you know where inflation data is coming up and, and core inflation as well. So that was sort of an interesting tidbit. Uh, another one that I uh, came across the other day as well, uh, just on a market update in general that we had with one of the fund managers was some of the shipping stuff. So some of the tightening that we've seen around um, you know the supply chain side of things and the, the you know that stemming into the recovery um, that we're, you know, hopefully going to see uh, in terms of the supply chain and the and the tight uh, the, the tight tightness we've had in that area, the, we've seen, and I think we've shared on the podcast before, we've we've seen that the 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 the, the cargo ships um, at uh, at ports around the world and Shanghai are all clogged up and congested, and one of the things the fund manager mentioned is that's all opened up a lot more now. Um, so it's been um, the, the shipping container costs, if you remember, uh, Arnie, you may remember this, you know, during the peak was they got up to about $16,000 a container from, as an example, Shanghai to LA. Uh, they're now back down around $3,000 and they're moving a lot more quickly. So that's a huge, um, that's a huge um, um, lightening of the load in terms of the impost on the cost of goods being transported, um, which will then, I guess, flow through to the, the tail end uh, consumer and inflation, you'd hope. Um, but that's where they talk about inflation being sticky and do prices actually, you know, come down once they've gone up or do they stay up? And that's your new, that's your new sort of set bar. So that was an interesting one that I came across that the shipping containers have come off a touch um, and for that particular route and the ports have opened up a lot as well. Um, and then we might even touch on the news items with the COVID restrictions in China sort of tending to, you know, come into the market. Um, you know, the market updates every day, you sort of see a bit more and more about uh, is China going to release or adjust and they've changed some timeframes from quarantining for people coming in. So that's an interesting tidbit as well. Yeah. Some of the stuff you've mentioned, I do have here to touch on in, in the, in the rapid fire news or the, or the, this is the news episode, but cause we've got a lot to get through shipping containers definitely have seen it come off. Um, and as you just mentioned, I think I saw a news item during the week, which I haven't got written down here, uh, about China easing their zero COVID policy. So maybe not going as hard as they have been and just uh, trying to trying to help that situation along a bit. So yeah, positive, positive impacts. Um, one interesting thing uh, that a mate of mine sent me, so shout out to Austin, was that at the close in the bond market overnight, uh, the one month treasury bill and the 10-year inverted, meaning that it's sort of, and this is, you know, general in nature, nothing is certain here, but could be signaling, you know, a, a US recession before Christmas. So, you know, Merry Christmas. And they've got one more one more um, Federal Open Market Committee meeting to happen in December. 
And yeah, got some news items about that, which we'll touch on later. But I guess I got a, I got a couple of big ticket items, Jolly. Yep. Um, and then I'll sort of go into the shorter ones, and I'll, I'll say the item. I'll read a little bit about it, and then you can give me your take. And I, if I've got anything else to say, so the, these three actually come from um, a newsletter I get, which is called the Daily Upside, and that's pretty interesting. So, uh, Coalition of Nations have agreed to help Indonesia get rid of coal. So as you know, the G20 is being held in Bali. Um, I think it might, if it's not still going, it has been going on for the last week or so. And um, a coalition of sovereign nations and private companies, which will be led by the US and Japan, have agreed to fund a $20 billion pot to help Indonesia phase out its reliance on coal. Um, now, Indonesia uh, per capita produce like way less emissions than um, the US, but it's all, but it's like the third largest producer of coal in the world. So that's just an interesting um, tidbit there. You got any thoughts on that one? No, I, I, it's it's an interesting one. And I guess, um, you know, is it sort of big brother coming to little brother and saying, hey, you know, you try to do this and make this better for the world, but are you really leading by example um, in, you know, uh, I guess uh, helping Indonesia or how are you helping, how are you helping them reduce that and where, where are they going to be able to help supplement um you know, they're, they're, if they are to reduce their coal production, where they're going to be able to help supplement that or direct redirect that into maybe more um, sustainable energy. Um, so that's sort of something, I guess, that I'll be interested to see as to how that would look. Because obviously Indonesia being, you know, they're not the the wealthiest country, um, group of islands country in the world. So, um, and they've obviously been hit really hard, most likely through COVID with tourism and whatnot. So, yeah, if they are going to reduce coal outputs then how's the uh, how's it going to affect their um, gdp yeah it's interesting i'm not sure of the answer but i think you hit the nail on the head those are the questions hopefully they can replace those jobs uh with renewable energy jobs or something else so um we've also got walmart has uh i saw this is this is not what i just this is anecdotal i saw that walmart may be trying to take on costco in america with their dollar 50 hot dog and soda (laughs) combo love that they might be trying to introduce their own <laughs> their own version, the, the Walmart dog or something like that. But they're also in the news because um, they've said that they're expecting a successful holiday season in America with, uh, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas and whatnot. Um, but apparently they're doing so by squeezing their suppliers because they've got all the buying power because Walmart is the largest, um, the largest big box store in America. So, yeah they're sort of putting the squeeze on people who are trying to supply them, but in this rising sort of cost environment, what is that going to do to their suppliers and how are they going to, how are they going to tackle them? And in in related news, Target uh, had its largest one day drop of about 15% when they sort of gave forward guidance that they were expecting a really poor holiday season. So, okay. And did you say Walmart's going to try to pass on some of those savings? Did you say to consumers? Well, both by um, screwing down the suppliers or. That's that is their business model. Yeah. They've like historically always sort of said that they try and get the lowest cost possible so that they can always pass on the savings to consumers. So the consumer wins, but the supplier yep. uh, may not be winning. And and what does that do for you know for those businesses? Yeah, and you can only do that with scale. So obviously they've got scales. So um yeah, they've got the buying power. Um dollar fifty opt in soda combo. So obviously they're uh you know they realize it's a bit of a loss leader, they they're gonna take a hit on it, but they're gonna maybe match um and compete a bit with Costco. So there you go. Yep. And then um, YouTube shorts, they're talking about implementing uh, 
shopping while you scroll. So have you used YouTube shorts? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, fill me in. So it's sort of similar to like Facebook or Instagram's reels or, yeah, yeah. or, or I assume TikTok. Or I haven't used TikTok yeah, where I've seen them. it's a short form video and you can just sort of scroll or as one finishes another start. So apparently yeah. apparently, there's something that happens in China already on some of um, their social media where like you're watching a, a scroll, like a, a short form video and it might be for a product. And with a click of a button, if you've got your credit card linked, you can buy that product straight away. So at, at the moment, I don't think any of the Western sort of social medias are doing that but youtube is looking at bringing that in where they're going to have uh i don't know if it's going to be separate to the other videos or you'll like have a shopping channel you have a re, you know a shorts channel but uh, or maybe they'll just be mixed in but yeah they're going to do that so what do you reckon you'd be able to buy a product you see with the click of a button going to be interesting and yeah youtube's a, a fascinating one they're they're popping up all the time at the moment with um like the paid subscribing thing they're obviously really pushing for that because they've got youtube tv and they've got you know the ability to be able to watch premium without ads and and you know i could see it being a big competitor to maybe i don't know we just say it's a direct competitor to spotify if people just want to listen to music and, and whatnot and say well i can get youtube i can get youtube video i can get um music that i want to listen to and, and i just paid all in the one whatever their fee is i haven't actually subscribed at the moment but i'm thinking of giving it a try yeah, I haven't subscribed, and like they always offer me that free trial. They're definitely a competitor to a competitor to Spotify. Mm. Uh, interestingly, they reckon that um, this instant shopping uh, market is expected to be a two trillion dollar market by twenty twenty five. That's according to consulting firm McKinsey. So, thinking about what players there are in that market, it is uh, YouTube, which is owned by Google. Uh, there would be Instagram and Facebook, obviously owned by Meta. And then there would be TikTok. Is there, is there any others that I'm thinking of, like short form video? No, because I, I was sort of thinking, well, what what market are they going to take away from? And that'd be, you know, Amazon or, or eBay, but they're not linked up with socials as such. So mm. it's probably a smart move because people are scrolling for enjoyment on socials and, and YouTube or whatever it may be. They're not necessarily scrolling on Amazon as much, you'd say. Like that's just my my guess. And to say, okay, well, if you're scrolling on YouTube and you're just sort of looking around, playing around, and you see these things pop up in terms of things that you're going to purchase, do you end up purchasing through YouTube and taking away from what you may have purchased on Amazon? So, yeah, it's ab- it's a- yeah absolutely going to eat Amazon's lunch and those retailers we were just talking about before. So like Walmart's, Costco's, uh, Target's, Kmart, whatever. So mm-hmm. in- interesting. And I also like a little bit of a little bit of off tangent here, but Meta with their focus on uh, augmented reality would be interesting to see if if you had like an Oculus or a or a Quest or whatever they're called now, Quest Pro, and you were, you know, had the goggles on and you were going through these videos and it was augmenting like I'm picturing like clothing on your body so you could see how it looks oh, yeah. on you and then click purchase. I know they've got things like that in some uh, shopping centers now where you can see an augmented reality mirror mm. which that which does that. Would be interesting to see how that would work, but yeah, I wonder if that'd help with with finding out if pants are going to be too short for me or not. Uh, <laughs> for the listeners out there that don't know, um, tallish six 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 seven thereabouts, depending on the day. That's a shout out to you, my mate Faf. Um, my, my height fluctuates, but uh, yeah, pants is always a drama for me. And my uh, my favourite suits uh, place I just found out it's gone out of business. Uh, Jack London, they used to do suits on the large end of the scale that would fit me really well. So um, that's just a, a side note there for the listeners. Can augment reality tell me if the pants are going to be too short for me or be the right the right fit? 
if it can't, it could probably link you straight to a tailor, <laughs> a, ta- <laughs> yeah. tailor a tailoring service. Yeah, to yeah. Learn Sorry, your, your size and height does not fit our criteria. Here's a tailor. Here's yeah. recommended tailors you can uh, <laughs> you can go to. All right. Um, this is more rapid fire stuff now, Jelly. So Republicans have gained control of the U.S. House. So that's that's mm. breaking news. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. And was it um, um, the Democrats held on to the was it the lower house? Uh, the Democrats have held on to the Senate, Senate and yeah. Republicans have got the House. Yeah, yeah so. okay. Yeah, there you go. So that's that change, Does it change much in terms of the political landscape on the US politics side of things? I'm not, you know, completely all over of how the how it works in terms of, I know, the broad stroke, but yeah, just in yeah. terms of, has that changed? Were the Democrats holding both? They were, and I believe it's just a bit more of a balance of power now, so you need okay. a few more bipartisan things to sort of help get... Um, bills and stuff through okay. i think brad's probably better to ask about this we should ask him but i yeah. think a lot of power resides with the individual states themselves and the governors in america so mm. even though even though obviously though the federal um politics is important those governors wield a lot of power so anyway interesting and, one and we'll see the other day that was it uh, trump's officially put his hand up to run in 2024 yes i did see this. so he's filed yep. the paperwork uh, yep. which will be super interesting i wonder what's going to happen there and i also wonder if he were to be successful would he be allowed back on Twitter? Or maybe he'll be allowed back on anyway. We'll see what happens. What's his relationship like with Elon? I think it was pretty good last time around. I'm not, not even, not really sure. I think, mm. um, yeah, I think it was okay. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've got, got a bit of a batch here of uh, crypto ones. So FTX Bankman Freed is being sued in a consumer class action. Tom Brady and the Golden State Warriors have been named in the suit. Um, anything, any thoughts? Oh, you can see that, yeah. You can see that happening. It's. Uh, I don't think it'll be the first, and I don't think it'll be the last of this sort of thing to to undo. So, yeah, yeah. yeah you can see that consumer class action coming when uh, there's been maybe some mischievous acts that have occurred. Yeah, and relatedly, the House Financial Services Committee is going to hold a hearing in December on the collapse of FTX and the broader consequences for the digital asset ecosystem. Mm. So maybe some regulation coming there. Yeah, and that's, you know, how do you regulate a market that, you know, doesn't necessarily want to have regulation attached to it? That's exactly right. Mm. Uh, Genesis Global Capital has paused their withdrawals. Uh, We will not be able, this is a a quote, we will not be able to meet customer redemptions within service level agreement of five business days. Genesis says FTX has created unprecedented market turmoil resulting in abnormal withdrawal requests, Mm. which have exceeded our current liquidity. Yeah, yeah, and that tends to happen when you look back at cycles of markets back in 08, uh, 09 in Australia, as an example, there was uh, funds called um, mortgage income fund or income funds that were there to pr- produce income, but the, the actual assets behind them weren't super liquid. So uh, it, when the banks, uh, the government came in and did a bank guarantee on 250000 per institution of guaranteed funds, people sort of w- that were investing in these income funds, because they were relatively low volatility and relatively safe, they sort of started to say, okay, we'll, we'll redeem from here and we'll pop it into the bank and get our 5% or whatever, because it's a bit more, maybe a bit more safe when the, all the banks around the world were, you know, having issues. And that's the whole cause and effect type thing in terms of the actual banks here were never in any doubt because we've sort of got some of the strongest four, big four banks in the world um, because of that, uh, I guess, that almost oligopoly they've got um, running here. So, yeah, so then what happened is there was a run on the income funds and the income funds had to say, well, they're not actually as liquid as we'd like. Uh, so we need to um, uh, put a freeze on full redemptions and do partials um, to actually protect the people's funds and protect the actual asset from collapsing. And so 
Um, obviously, what you're sort of talking about there is they're trying to protect potentially um, maybe themselves and maybe the asset itself to, to, to help it from collapsing completely. Trying to stop a bank run, trying to stop the contagion, which we are now seeing in crypto markets. And I remember early on in the pod, we had a, we had a question about that and specifically in relation to Tether, um, whether or not there was contagion risk in the crypto markets and how bad could it be? And interestingly, today, off the back of that um, that Genesis news, Tether has confirmed that they have zero exposure to Genesis. So mm. Tether Tether's still uh, still avoiding this contagion. So it'd be interesting to see what happens there. And I, I can't remember the last episode of your Brad touched on it. Was there many companies uh, that were actually holding that uh, crypto um, FTX um, that that um, has sort of collapsed? Uh, Brad did touch on companies that had a stake in FTX or yep. Alameda, the hedge fund, um, yep. whether or not they were holding the token. I assume, I, I I can't remember exactly if he said that or not or detailed who held how much, but I assume some exchanges would be having to hold some of their token if people wanted to buy it. So I think it that's why... Sort of me, I think it just led me down that thought pattern to say, well, how much has crypto in general come off the past 12 months? And mm. these companies last year, this time last year, that were holding... You know, so you, you know, decent amounts in the balance sheet, and also accepting it as payments, um, like crypto. Just take it as an example, um, seventy thousand US, and then you know, uh, Tesla's accepting it as an example, and yeah. they're putting it on the balance sheets and buying it, and now it's worth what was it lately, sixteen? Yeah, well, I think it, it dipped below sixteen, and I'll I'll give you a quick update on how much it's worth right now. Bitcoin yeah. currently sitting at sixteen seven one nine USD. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, interestingly, what what kicked off this whole thing with FTX was CZ from Binance on Twitter saying, "We are going to over the you know course of the next month or so, I forget exactly what he said, we're going to dump out the rest of our FTT tokens, uh, because you know new information has come to light about FTX, and that's what started this whole thing, and that's what's brought all of this." Mm. Um, all, all of this, all of this misuse of funds to lie by, yeah. Yeah. by SBF. So, anyway. um, so the Fed, so uh, the Fed's bar has said that we are paying attention to liquidity issues in treasury markets. Didn't didn't elaborate. Also said, uh, so the Fed Williams said monetary policy not the best tool to address financial stability risks. Fed's Daily said the consumer is hanging in there. This is in the CNBC interview. And also said that contacts say customers are stepping back. Uh, consumers are preparing for a slower economy. That's a good start. Still with Feds Daily, we want to see the economy slow and pausing uh, rate hikes he's referencing is off the table. So they're now focusing on the level of rate hikes they think they will require. And this is just throwing back to what you said earlier in the pod, Jolly. So it looks like even though they have seen a slight, if you want to say cooling in the inflation numbers, um, they are saying that they are committed to still hiking. A pause is not on the table at the moment. So we can see, like at this last meeting in December, probably going to see, as we've hypothesized, another 50 basis point hike. And then they'll have a look at it in the new year when they come back. Yep. And more uh, domestically in Australia, we'll probably, I think uh, December will be the last meeting for the RBA here. Um, mm -hmm. So first Tuesday uh, of the month, which will be yeah, coming up in a couple of weeks' time. And uh, we will see how they go, but most likely... Uh, definitely, I'd say another rise, and you know, I haven't actually seen the stats, but maybe a twenty fiver. Yeah, I reckon. I think, I think uh, Philip Lowe, Doctor Philip Lowe, will probably give us another point two five. And um, yeah, as I referenced earlier, Target down fifteen percent after they warned of the grim holiday sales. 
NVIDIA has beaten on third quarter revenues, 5.93 billion. Estimates were 5.79 billion. Their data center revenue in the third quarter was 3.83 billion. Uh, the estimate was 3.79 billion. And their third quarter gaming revenue was 1.57 billion. Estimates 1.32 billion. They said that they see their fourth quarter revenue at 6 billion plus or minus 2%. Estimate 6.09 billion. However, NVIDIA has taken a huge hit today because even though they beat on revenues, they um, missed on earnings per share. So down after hours when they've reported. Cool. Thanks yeah. for the quick rapid fire update. All right. I've got a few more, mate. A few more. Oh, okay. Important, important one. Apple has said that they are going to be sourcing chips from Arizona. Uh, they haven't stated explicitly where, but they did say from um, a, pla a plant that's currently under construction which basically limits, limits it to two options, which will be TSMC, who are now building uh, a chip fab plant in Arizona, or in theory, Intel has a plant there, which they might be building out a bit further. So that's- And how have those two stock prices gone since Apple announced that? Well, Apple was Apple was like a um, bit of a divergence in, in the market overnight, which was sort of down market. Apple was going against that trend. I don't know if it was green for the day. Um, TSMC- took a big bump last week because I don't know if you saw the news, but Warren Buffett took a big stake. Yeah, I did see that. Uh, yeah, yeah, so um, so uh, <laughs> good timing by the old Buffett or did he know something? Probably not, I don't know. Um, mm. well, isn't, it other... the, isn't it the Buffett effect or the Berkshire effect is once they buy into a company and it comes to market, then, you know, everyone else sort of follows suit? For sure. Yeah, for sure. I think that happens with a lot of a lot of big um, super investors. Yeah. Call them super investors, but I feel like there's people who will literally just wait for those 13 Fs uh, which you know details the positions in the last quarter to drop, and then yeah. they'll just follow them into the ones they like. Yeah, um, that's it. And yeah, big fund managers, you know, uh, like uh, super funds or fund managers, whenever they're uh, selling out of position, they have to do it slowly so they actually don't, you know, um, impact the stock too much because they hold so much of it. That's all. And I think if they hold over a certain amount, I think it might be like over five percent. There's like certain. That's when they have to list it in their thirteen F. Yeah, something like that. Could be right. Uh, this is the last news item, Jolly. And so OPEC. Um, had been hypothesized that exports would fall by 1 million barrels a day in November. However, overnight, the Secretary General of OPEC, I'll try this name here, so forgive me, Haitham al Gaius, said that the organization is ready to intervene to the benefit of oil markets and left it at that. So, yeah, hopefully that's, I think that sounds like good news in the short term for the consumer because if we were to see, um, barrels per day drop it just means more pain at the pump but if they're willing to intervene what does that mean yeah already already copying a bit of pain at the bowser so that would uh, be uh, <laughs> definitely helpful unless you're running an electronic or a hybrid vehicle and you're you're laughing especially if you've got solar panels absolutely mate and that is the that's the news thanks guys so uh thanks arnie for the rapid fire news and thanks listeners for uh tuning in when don't go anywhere we've got the 50 50 coming up which is a, a special <laughs> one today yeah uh, a good one I thought of, very Australian-themed one. Uh, where can uh, listeners get us out on? At Money in the Tank, YouTube, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. All right, love it. So without further ado, into the 50-50 today. So in terms of the 50-50, Arnie, I, uh, I got this from driving the other day, and I was just thinking to myself, the Australian way. So when you're driving past a mobile speed camera, um, do you flash the other drivers when they're on their way to the mobile speed camera, or do you not flash? I absolutely flash. And now I, I, I do it no matter which way the car is facing because they've got this new technology now with a camera out the front and a camera out the back window. So they're getting you both ways. So yeah, both I'm ways. Absolutely doing my you're, you're fellow motorists. Yeah, because 
People, oh, I'll hit. What, what do you reckon? Then I'll tell you what I think. Yeah. Wrong. So yeah, I'm I'm a flasher, and I love I love uh, I love flashing the high beams. I think it's uh, it's a, it's an Australian tradition. It's the Australian way, and I think you're un-Australian maybe if you don't. But that could be divisive. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Um, and there's a bonus question to this one as well, Arns. If you if you receive a flash from a, a motorist coming past, do you go the hand wave? Oh, absolutely. Wave. Anytime someone does something uh, which is courteous to me on the road, a flash or they let me through a tight, you know, there's cars on the road, I'm giving the wave every yeah. time. And I hate when I don't get the wave back. Yeah, it's hard to tell with the tinted windows, I was thinking now. Like, I've flashed mm-hmm. a couple of people. I'm like, you waved or not? Like, come on, you know, give us a wave. <laughs> but maybe the tinted windows, you can't tell. But I guess if I'm in doubt and it's a really big one that someone sort of lets me in or they've, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big effort, I'll actually put the window down. Oh, for sure. Hand, hand out the window. Just, yeah, yeah, thanks, mate. But uh, I was going to say, yeah, controversial about the, you know, high beaming someone if you see a speed camera because you wonder, you know, if they're speeding, should they be speeding? But it's that's like, it. yeah. we always go a little bit over the limit. So, yeah, I don't condone, don't condone um, you know, massive speeding and, and whatnot. But yeah, a sneaky, you know, touch over or... <laughs> touch over going <laughs> going down a hill going down a hill it's yeah uh, you know you're always going to go a little bit over so anyway exactly I, I like that mate good one yeah good 50 50 this week so yeah let us know your thoughts where you stand but uh yeah the flash, <laughs> the flash. Right, guys. Uh, i feel like we could cut that pretty funnily there yeah. the flash i'm sure yeah, we'll be able to edit some some flashes on there some cars and some high beams but uh <laughs> Thanks anyway for tuning in, Tankers. We always appreciate it. And uh, yeah, let us know Q&As, what you, what you want to hear about next week or a good 50-50 to throw into the, the pod. Uh, we'd love bringing it to you and uh, enjoying kicking into the new half century. So uh, without further ado, we'll leave you to it. You know where to get us at. Uh, hit us up anywhere. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you guys next week. Take See care. You later. Cheers, See you guys. Later.